Hello, and welcome to Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo. With me, forever and always, the man, the myth, our very own Mbaku, Alessandro Baelsi. Say hello, Al. I'm way more jacked than Mbaku. It, it's, not the, it's not an insult, this one. It was, <laughs> it was the closest character that you are in the movie. Um, this Probably week's show, Nick Cage finally gets to be Superman. Fantastic <laughs> D sequel trailer drops. Ready Player One initial reactions are in. All before diving into our Flick of the Week, Black Panther. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Oh, I'm sorry. Before I go into that, you were asking for some of Al's nuggets. Um, there is something that we may have to discuss um, due to the conversations around Ready Player One that I don't know if you're familiar with. Okay. And it may have me do some dramatic reading on air here that may cause anyone, including yourself who's listening, to laugh hysterically. Right. There may be some spit takes. People may pee themselves a little bit. There's going to be some cringing and awkwardness. I'm excited. <laughs> but we're drinking the glorious return of Newberg Brewing Company on this show. Uh, they're still not our sponsor. Um, <laughs> for those of you who have been with us since day one, <laughs> um, we are drinking their New York Boss, which is part of the Boss series. It's an India Pale Ale. And what makes this unique to them is that every one of their ingredients was made in the state of New York. It's the first beer that they were able to say that. That's cool. The India Pale Ale that they've made is brewed collaboratively with Whole Foods Markets, made using 100% New York State-grown ingredients. It's not just Boss, it's New York Boss. (laughs) 7% alcohol by volume, and as with many of our favorite beers, it's coming to pint. It comes in pints! With crazy-ass robots on the label, which I love. Yeah, so all the boss uh, beers have robots on them, which is great. Um, you want to take a sip of this? Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, this is a really let's, pale. Let's give this guy a try. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Oh, very mild. Shocker! I like it. <laughs> I have not been it's disappointed. Funny. It's very hoppy in aroma, mm-hmm. but it's much more reserved to the taste. I would agree with that. I also have a little extra blurb about this after some painstaking searching mm. on the internet that I was looking for right before we started the show. Um, the malt they all got from the Germantown Beer Farm, which is somewhere in New York, and they get all their hops from Peterson Hop Farm. Cool. Their yeasts, I believe they all do in-house, which I think is cool when breweries can do that. And um, as far as the water goes, I'm going to be honest, Newburgh doesn't have great water, but I don't know which water they use. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This is, no, this is tasty. I like this. Um, grapefruity a little bit. Is that right? Grapefruit and orange. Yeah. There's definitely some citrus in there. I could smell it when I was pouring it. It might even be... Is that a hint of lemon? I don't know. I smell grapefruit. Which I... It's, it's so tough. funny because I don't like grapefruit that much and I despise grapefruit juice. But grapefruit in my beers, I tend to enjoy. Yes. Well, I like grapefruit flavor and aroma. I don't actually like grapefruit in my beers. because that's Like becoming- a slice of it or like... Or this. No, it's becoming like a thing that some of these like IPAs are using grapefruit itself. Oh, interesting. 
um, which I'm not really a fan of. But like Mosaic Hops, uh, I've been in a couple of beers we featured. It's been in a couple of beers I've made, mm-hmm. and I am a fan of those. But um, I don't know. You know, it's funny. It's a for an IPA that's seven percent. The flavor is really restrained, or I'm having a stroke and I can't taste anything. No, you, you're. I assure you, you're okay. <laughs> I feel the same. It just way. everything. Like it, it all tastes good, but it's very muted. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's very I'm a, little, though. I'm, a, I'm a little disappointed in this. I mean, it's. I guess it's refreshing. It doesn't say it's bad. It's just not particularly bold. Yeah. The body is almost Pilsner-like. I don't, I I like it. It's not my it's not my favorite one, but I I'm I'm enjoying it. I don't dislike it, but this one's expensive, so I don't think I want to buy um, this. Question: Should we have tried to drink it out of the can? Didn't say anything about that. <laughs> this is gonna be my new thing. I'm forever gonna wonder after I poured the entire thing out. Oh no, <laughs> did I do it wrong? Can I pour it back in the can? <laughs> That's not gonna work. I know it's gonna it's gonna make it twice as bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, those Optimus guys are just fucking insane, man. Mm. I'm on board. I like this. I I like everything that you bring me from them. So I'm happy with I it. Mean, they definitely don't have any bad beers except for. There was one I didn't like, but it probably has less to do with the quality of the beer and more to do with my own personal taste, and that okay. was the oyster stout they had. Oyster stout? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. What? What's an oyster it, stout? It's made with real bits of oyster. Mm. <laughs> mm. Not sure how I feel about that. I don't think I I would be interested in that. I mean, I guess I would try it, obviously, but. But, oh, why? but but why <laughs> is my question? They, they also made a chili lime stout that used Ooh. to be one of their ones that they always like had like on tap. Uh huh. Um, it's a beer that you just have to experience. That's I, I that's exactly what I thought when you said that. I feel like it's something that I really really want to try. Don't necessarily want it, <laughs> but I really yeah. want to try it. <laughs> yeah. Is it something they still make? No, I don't think they've made it in a long time, actually. If you if you come across that, you're going to have to uh, let me know. <laughs> I'd be interested yeah. to try that. If they have a brief resurgence of it, I'll get a crowler of it, and we can um, experience it together. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. I appreciate that. Sweet. So our first topic for the show uh, is Nick Cage is finally getting his his uh, his Superman role on. In an animated format. So, are you you familiar with the the story of the the unreleased or unmade Tim Burton Superman film? Yes, starring Nicolas Cage. Starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, that sounds like something I really want in my life. Which so it's unfortunate that that doesn't exist because I love Nick Cage and his um, seven billion movies. <laughs> it depends on which Nick Cage you're talking about. I love Gone in 60 Seconds, Nick Cage, and National Treasure, Nick Cage, and Con Air, Nick Cage. <laughs> you, are, you are right. He is a different person in all of these things, but there's a, an undertone of Nick Cage in there. Yeah, um, Nick Cage is someone who used to be a good actor, mm-hmm. like genuinely. Yep. Um, I don't know if he always was, but he certainly has become a very eccentric human being. Mm-hmm. And his eccentric way of life 
led to him becoming a literal movie whore. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people know the things that have gone on in Nicolas Cage's life. I only know little bits of them. Um, but the stories are, are hysterical, and he's needed to whore himself out to any movie that will have him to fund his eccentricities. <laughs> oh my god, that is that's great. I got to hear completely accidentally a story about him. Are you familiar with American Horror Story? Yes. Have you seen all the seasons or some of the seasons? No, just the first. I don't even know if I saw all the first one. I didn't. The show didn't grab me. Did you see the season with all the witches, the Coven season? No. So, in that season, it takes place in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, in New Orleans. Yeah, I walked past. He has like a an estate there. Had okay. Well, walked past that. <laughs> so on the show, they talk about the most haunted house, like in the entire U.S. Like, it's, right. It was owned by this, like, these slave owners in like the eighteen thirties. The the lady of the house was known to torture the shit out of her slaves. Yeah, I actually, I actually know that. It's funny. I want you to tell the rest of it, but I know this one because we did a little ghost tour when we went there. We walked to this house, and they told us the stories. So that house is a historical landmark. It's the LaLaurie estate, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Nicolas Cage bought it. He didn't know anything about it. Bought the estate. Stayed there for a few days when he bought it. But when he bought it, I think it coincided with roughly Halloween of that year. Okay. And he didn't know that there were tours that were going to be given of the house. Oh, my God. And yes. all of a sudden, he walked up to, like, the balcony or something, and he saw all these people crowded around outside, and he thought they were there to see him. <laughs> but they were there on a tour. So when he found this out, him and his wife, and I guess, I think at the time he had kids that were rather young, they decided to, oh, there's a tour of this, let's go through the tour. And he heard about all of the t brutal torture that happened in this house. Yeah. Heard about the supposed real-life hauntings that have been reported in the 150 years since, or 170 or whatever the hell years since, and I think he lived there over the course of a long weekend and never entered the house again. Oh my god, that is great. <laughs> and he spent millions of dollars on this house. <laughs> so that's just a little snapshot into the crazy that is Nicolas Cage and why you understand now that he literally hoards himself out to every movie. I just want to be a fly on the wall for his life for like, I don't know. Two hours. <laughs> I think that would be more than enough. <laughs> yeah, I heard this story told by... It was recently, too. It was literally like a month ago. Um, or maybe a little more. Uh, one of the tour guides at the time, who now, I think, now runs the estate and tours there now, like, came on, like, a radio show and was talking about this. Like, I guess he was one of the people giving the tours that day. Okay. So he, like, either saw this or someone like, told him about it right afterwards, so he's, like, intimately aware of the details of this and, like, relayed the story very recently on air. That's so funny. I love that. I, he's just, when I see his name pop up on something, I'm, I am interested. I know that, I do know that it's a 50-50 shot most of the time. <laughs> well, but. it's, like, it's a pretty fine, like, literally, the center point of his career is National Treasure. Uh-huh. Because before that, there were some duds, but mostly he was still being actor Nicolas Cage. Right. But around that time is when he became whore Nicolas Cage. That, that's totally fair. 
I've seen, I feel like I've seen some of those movies, like movies that, like they they show up on a random station on your television. And, yeah, uh, for some reason they put a lot of his bad movies on like FX and sci-fi a lot. Yeah, well, it's because his name pops up and you're like, oh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, well, we've gone this far and the remote's on the other side of the room now, so I guess I'm watching this. <laughs> but I, I don't know. He's there's just something so entertaining about. It. He is like super charismatic in all of his roles. Again, like, he's just. It's he's just super entertaining. I Gone in sixty seconds is one of my favorites. I love that movie, and I know a lot of people love that movie. I saw it once. Eh. Oh man, I he's just he's just a, such a goofball in that movie, and I it's one of the ones that I will randomly quote that most of the time people just don't get because they don't they haven't seen it as many times as I have. <laughs> but super appreciated that. Uh, so there's a Teen Titans Go movie being made, and he's going to voice Superman. So I guess that's the closest we're going to get. But I will definitely be watching that for that reason. And I just want I want to know, like, is he going to do a voice, or is he just going to be Nick Cage talking as Superman? Because I'm really hoping it's the latter. <laughs> I'm going to be really upset if he doesn't do Superman by way of Cameron Poe. <laughs> <laughs> God. Please put the kryptonite back in the box. <laughs> Jesus. My oh, very man. bad impression of his very bad impression of a southern accent. I'm on board. Let's do that. Let's make that be the case. <laughs> Especially when he's talking to mom and dad. The Kents. Oh man. That would be solid. So well, I guess it's perfect for a ma. Whatever happened to Pa? <laughs> so I think it's, I mean, it's settled. We're going to do this movie at some point. This Teen Titans Go animated feature with uh, with Nick Cage and Superman. Whenever that comes out, I'm going to be all over it. And we're going to have to do an episode on it because I'm excited. I'm not going to be able to take that seriously. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to our second story of the, uh, of the week here. So the trailer for Fantastic Beasts 2 came out. Um, I think it's like the Crimes of Grindelwald or something like that. Uh, Grindelwald. Um, I don't know. Do you have? Do you? Are you a fan of the Harry Potter universe? Um, I think that you should know that I am as big a fan as you'll find. Oh, sweet! I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were like super into it. I know we've talked about it before. Well, anyway, that's great. Um, <laughs> Me and a bunch of my friends have been huge fans of it for going back forever. Um, including having gone and seen a couple of the midnight showings of some of the later releases. Yep. Um, yep. What my first adult-ish level fight ever happened after one of those where I beat the shit out of one of my best friends. <laughs> that was fun. Very <laughs> mud blood. <laughs> I wish that would have been that. No, the story the, the, the story is pretty funny as it is, but it would have been even funnier if it was over something stupid like that. That would have been pretty great. Can we hear the story? Or is it something that you'd rather not disclose? <laughs> I mean, I've told the story before. Um, it's a long-ish story, so I'll give you the cliff notes. Okay. Um, there were five of us going to the movies. We were about 15 at the time. Um, 14, 15. And one of our friend's mom drove all of us to the movie, picked us all up, Um and we were going to stay at my friend's house. And it was in like a Mercedes like SUV, uh, three rows. And her son got in the front seat. 
I mean, there was four of us to figure out who's going to sit in the middle bench, like three seats, yeah. and then one in the back row. So me and my friend were the last two getting to the door, and I had to decide who's going to go in the back. And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll get in the back, even though I'm way bigger than him. Uh-huh. We get back. They don't help me get out because, you know, I got to knock down the seat. and like, I couldn't figure out how to do it. So they're all inside by the time I get out of the fucking car. We get up. They have really nice reclinable leather seats that we're going to be sleeping on that night. They're like, like laid down all the way flat. Mm-hmm. There's four of them. There's five of us. Since I'm the last one up, I did not get to claim a chair. Okay. And I said, okay. I took the back seat even though I was like sitting sideways in there. Why don't you let me sit in the last seat? It's like there's like a, this like foldable cot thing over there. I'll drag it over. Help you get it set up. You can sleep on that. And he said no. <laughs> and that's <laughs> so, when I killed him, Your Honor. And that's when... <laughs> no, because I'm going to come out the good guy in the story, even though I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> it wouldn't be the case if that was what happened. Um, no, we, we argued over it for a while. I dragged over the thing, and I was like, here, it's right here. Like, no. He's like, so I'm, I'm resigning myself to the fact that I'm probably going to sleep in it. Right. So the other three are like, one of them's like, oh, I gotta go take a piss. He's like, please don't take my seat. I was like, no, no, you're good. You don't take a piss, man. <laughs> I want his seat. Because I took the back seat, no questions asked earlier. So now they're lording it. Like, one of them's like, oh, I'm gonna go down and get drinks for everyone. Uh, does everyone want one? Yeah. And then they didn't get one for the last guy. That's <laughs> so great. he had to get up and go get his own drink if he wanted it. Like, they're all, like, joining in and having fun with this, too, now. Uh-huh. So, after, like, an hour or two, he's like, oh, I gotta go take a piss. Don't take my seat. I was like, I can't make any promises. The lights are off. Like, we have, like, they have, like, a big screen TV. So, like, like it was all back to, like, we were watching whatever. I don't remember. Yeah. You know, it's two in the morning and three in the morning, whatever. And he gets up and closes the door to the room. So, I wait about five seconds. They're all sitting there waiting for me to get up. I get up and go sit in the seat. The second I sit down, he like throws himself through the doorway. <laughs> he took his belt off of his pants and swung the belt buckle first and cracked me upside the head with it. Oh. Like literally hit me right next to like my eye socket, like on like the temple. Oh, good. And I jumped up and I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you killed him. <laughs> and that's when I killed him. Oh my god. That's pretty That's funny. Uh, so back to this though. I I mean, we grew up at like the like the perfect time for this. Like I don't know when you started reading them, but like I remember vividly being in like I think it was like seventh grade. But I remember like my friend telling me, "Hey, this is really good. You should read this." And I think I read the first one when I was in like second or third grade. Like that's because it was like basically when it came out. Okay. And I so it was by the time I started, there were three out already. Mm. Or two out, and the third one was coming out. But um, I think I read the first one, and like the third one was coming out soon. Gotcha. So Margaret was like, "You guys should read this." So we're like a, bu- a bunch of us that were all friends were like, "Oh, cool!" So we went and we got the book, and we all started reading, it and we like fell in love with the book. It was, you know, it was great. It's like everything you want at that age, and everything that I want. I actually started rereading the first one the other <laughs> a few weeks ago. So um, uh, I'm getting back into it. Um, but I, I just love originally, it. I, you had, originally, you had never really finished reading the series, right? I still haven't. Okay. I remember I was talking about it a while ago. Like, you've seen all the movies, but you hadn't read all the books. Yeah, I never got through six. 
Uh, I think that might be my favorite one. That's what I hear, but I've I started it like four times and I never got through it. But I will try. I will definitely. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to try again once I get up to it. I started. I'm starting back at the beginning and and working my way through. Uh, but there's just something. The world is just so compelling. Like there's. I love the setting. I love the ideas. I love the lore that they put. In. It's just. It's just a lot of fun. And I don't know how. And you. You seem like you might be even a bigger fan than I from what you just said there before. But um, how do you feel? I've about read the, the entire series several times over. Did you see the Fantastic Beasts movie? No, I had no interest. You have no interest. Why is that? Um, it's it makes the bastardization of the Hobbit book into the movies look tame. Like it's literally not even a real like story that it was based on. Like they just made up this whole thing. Uh-huh. I saw bits of it. Didn't care for the cast. Didn't care for what was going on. I mean, it's the type of thing that. I probably will sit down and watch eventually. Like if I see it's on HBO and it's like, all right, like I'll sit down and watch the movie and see what it's about. But when it came out, I just was not interested. But why? So I'm curious about this. So you, you seem like annoyed by this movie because it's not based on the original. It's not so much that it's not based on it's the way that it came about. And that kind of like, because at first it was just supposed to be a one-off movie, and then like halfway through making it, they decided they were going to turn it into like a quadrilogy or something. Okay. And I I don't know. I, it just feels like it was made as a cash grab. Hmm. Which the reason you make any movie like this is to make money, but like making the other Harry Potter movies. There was a reason they made them, you know what I mean? It's okay, yeah, we're gonna make a lot of money, but like they tried to make these movies based on these books or whatever. And it's hard to explain, I guess. I don't know. It just felt kind of cynical the way they behind it. It didn't feel like it had the same heart that the other movies had. Interesting. So I I watched it like uh oh like a few months back, probably like end of the summer maybe actually. But I actually I really enjoyed it because it was. I was thrown back into this world that I really, really enjoyed with a, a new set of characters and I got to experience it from like a different angle. And I thought it was really, I, I loved it. And I don't know, I didn't look up reviews. I didn't look up how it was received. So this is just purely my experience with the movie. I had a really good time and I actually thought it was exploration done right. Like I, I didn't get any more, like I, you've only ever seen this world in, on, on screen through the lens of this, these characters that you've known for all of these years, especially if you grew up with the books and you know you you worked your way into the movies and you got through all the movies, now you're seeing it from a different side. And they they've they built it up so much, you know that there's this gigantic world, and they I feel like it's a playground that they're that they're in right now, and they're kind of just messing around with it. And I I really liked it. Part of it is I've seen extended clips, and I've seen like the trailers, whatever. I don't really like the main cast. Hmm. Like, as far as, like, the way that they fit together, I feel like there's no chemistry in the main cast. Interesting. I didn't feel that way watching it. I wonder if maybe it was... I'd be curious for you to watch it and to report back on how you feel afterwards. Yeah. Because it it could also be a... Just the, the marketing material could have been sour. Because I know that when it... I, I didn't see it in theaters, so I didn't. I wasn't super interested or like super thrilled to go see it right off the bat. 
I this was one of the movies it, like it came up on HBO or something and I watched it when it was on and I was like oh um I'm really enjoying this and like but, but, but when the night was over I was like huh good night good night <laughs> I love I love when that happens with a random movie that I haven't been expecting to enjoy but I'm curious if if you'll how how you would feel after you watched it so you have homework. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll check back in after you've seen it because I'm I'm very curious. Um, but anyway, the sequel's coming out, and I'm, I'm excited for it now that I saw the first one. I'm like, oh, cool! I get to go back into the world. Great! I'm thrilled. Especially I started reading the books again, so I'm like, oh, like I'm all in it right now. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's like very exciting. One thing that was really funny to me though, I remember reading the books originally, and. I had very vivid pictures in my head of what these characters looked like. I don't remember what those pictures were because there's actual faces to put to the names now, which is really the, funny. The thing is, the three main you know characters, they did a really great job of casting them. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Emma Watson being too hot for Hermione. <laughs> but when they cast her at 11 years old I'm pretty sure they didn't realize that's what was going to happen <laughs> right gotcha okay uh, yeah I, I don't remember being like confused by like the character choices I just I know that there was a time because it was you know what was I was I three or four books in before the movies came out I don't remember um probably three but yeah I, I'm pretty sure it was Prisoner of Azkaban and then the first movie came out yeah, but that sounds about right. I just like I know that for a fact, like I because I was so into it that I remember, like I had a vision of what these people looked like, and I can't for the life of me remember what that was, which is really funny to me. No, I remember as a kid seeing them. I was like, wow, like they look how I expected them to look, you know. Yeah. I guess I also the the three main characters. I had an idea. I like the picture for me came from the cover of the book for them. And then everybody else kind of just fell in based on their descriptions. And they, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah. Even like, like on the cover of the book, like those kids look like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's cool. Well, anyway, I'm 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 excited to see uh, to see this one when it comes out. So maybe um maybe we could do this. This is November. It's plenty of time. Maybe you can see the first one, and we can do a double uh, an episode on both together and talk through it. If you if you like it, if you hate it, we'll just check in at some point <laughs> throughout. I'll get around to it. Yeah, yeah, no, no rush. I said November. November comes out. By then, you can decide whether or not you want to see it. <laughs> All right. So, Ready Player One took a complete one eighty on the sources that I normally read from. <laughs> what do you mean? So, I I have like those like a Flipboard magazine, like I told you, where I I pull in a bunch of stuff for. For movie news that I usually go through, and then I pull out stuff from there and put it into the Flix magazine, so that if I, I actually think that you can access it, I haven't checked to see if I have to do anything special to make it public. But if you want to see the stories that we refer to or that I refer to specifically, um, there's there is a Flix magazine, F L I six, and nice. uh, those are the stories. But the so I you know I, as we brought up last week, we, um, there was. Some stuff that I was reading that was making me a little bit annoyed by people were already hating the movie like before it even became before it even came out before it was even screened all this stuff. Um, right after the first screening of it, I saw a lot of 
posts and articles about, you know, oh, uh, screening goes terrible, right? But it was a technical difficulty, not the screening itself. And then I hear the reports of folks that have like watched it that were really enjoyed it and were impressed by, by what he had done with it. And that excited me. And then I stopped because like, I just, I don't want any more outside information about this movie. I just want to go and see it and enjoy it for myself. And I read the last thing that I listened to was the, uh, the review they did on IGN and it, there was a little, I read that one tonight. yeah, there were some complaints about the, the real world part of it, which is not, not what'd you say? Not surprising. If something's going to get left behind, it's going to be that. It's not surprising, but it's also not super in focus in the book either. It's just, it's not the, the point you, they, they do give you enough to, for you to understand why things are like this, but, or, or like, I guess more of the uh, technical reasons on how like people are like all these people are able to be in this virtual world, but it's not super important to the story. I feel like. Okay. Um, but that I read said, that review as well. It seemed to be mostly pretty positive. Said that the movie was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It did bring up some of the things about how it's the some of the stuff is a little too much with the whole references and this and that, although in this case it was still relatively complimentary of all that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see this. So, but what you, um, that was the last, this is the last thing I had on here on my list. So we can jump into Al's Nuggets because I know Al's Nuggets have something. Yeah, things on this topic first. Okay, well, but they're part of your Nuggets. No, no, this is part of the discussion of Ready Player One. One of them will be a not-so-flattering review of the movie, or at least a section of it. Is this the one you shared with me earlier? This is the one I shared with you earlier. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A clip from a review of this movie. Where is it from? Uh, I believe it was on io9. Okay. Because what I sent to you was what I saw. Someone clipped it, said this is from the review on, I think it was io9, um... And they, I think they attributed the author. I don't remember who it was. It was a few days ago, so I don't really care. Um, like a rude orgy participant, Ready Player One insistently rubs itself on you in ways that it thinks will turn you on, whispering, <laughs> talk dirty to me, into your ear constantly, and with increasing insistence. Depending on your kink, the fraudage will work at times, but the movie drags when the nostalgia stops for one of its obligatory refractory periods. And just like a real orgy... Ready Player One is inevitably going to send someone home unsatisfied and depressed. Okay. <laughs> this person has had some stuff happen in their life. <laughs> That's you, you, do, you, do you recall what I said to you after we briefly discussed that text? Uh-huh. Because <laughs> you were like, oh, that was funny, but like I made mostly positive reviews. And I was like, I haven't read any at the time. I just saw this forward it since it was kind of similar to the sentiment that I was yeah. trying to describe in last week's episode. Just in, just in a different different words. With, with the added comedic value of a possible orgy humblebrag. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's actually that's funny to me. Like really funny. And I just feel like I'm not I'm not expecting everybody to like this movie. Uh, it seems pretty obvious that Everyone won't. Right. Or at least there'll be very varying degrees on how much everyone likes it. So let's go with this. I am 
I, even with even with some of the negative feedback that's coming, I am extremely excited to see this, and I'm gonna be very, I'm gonna be very positive going in. And the bar is pretty high for me because I really loved the book. It was it it hit near and dear. Um, so I feel like I will have a some decent feedback for folks that are in my boat. See, I'm I wouldn't say that I'm super excited. I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. Um, I'm, there's enough here that I should be nearly as interested and excited as you, less the fact that I didn't read the book, unlike you. Sure. But just the general idea of it should be what would generally appeal to me. So Agreed. I'm not going to go into it looking to dislike it, but I'm also not super excited for it either. I feel like I'm going in relatively neutral, which probably is for the best. I, I, I think so. I this, it, There's a very real chance that you'll end up, you can like it more than me because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help myself right now because from the minute that I heard that this movie was being made, I was like in a frenzy. So, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to talk about with all of this was I was having a hard time. If you remember last week, there was parts of what I was trying to convey to you about stuff I read mm-hmm. that I was just having a hard time putting into words. And I saw something flash up in my Twitter timeline today that I realized that I've read once about a year or so ago. And then I kind of remembered why some of this conversation around the people who dislike it as like the idea of this movie. And there's a pretty loud and not small group of people who really don't like Ernest Klein. Why is that? And this is one of the reasons. I cannot Hang verify. On. Am I going to be annoyed by this reason? Well, it'll be up to you after yeah. I read this. You'll All have to bear with me because it's a little bit lengthy. Okay. I think, depending on how angry the overall thing makes you, um, there's potential for you to laugh some, too. <laughs> okay, alright, go for it. It is funny on the surface, so I can't verify 100% whether this is true or not. So apparently before Ernest Klein broke in as an actual author, he wrote a lot of poetry, and something has been making the rounds for a little less than a year now. Uh, one of the poems that allegedly he wrote. Okay. It's called Nerd Porn Auteur. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer-swilling, sports-bar-dwelling alpha males. Men who like their women stupid and submissive. Men who can only get it up for monosyllabic, cock-hungry nymphos. With gargantuan breasts and a three-word vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected, liposectioned women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way they've been told to look. These aren't real women, they're objects. And these movies aren't erotic, they're pathetic. They vacuum... These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on. Oh my god. They disgust me, and it's not that I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy, and guys need porn. Fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein, guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynist, he-man, women-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who's smarter than you are. (laughs) You (laughs) You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horn-rimmed glasses. Betty... Finabowski, the valedictorian. Oh, yes. 
First, I want to copy her trig homework. Then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. Summa cum laude, baby. That's what I call erotic. Oh, my God. to believe it was him. Yes. <laughs> um, even some of the people who've like shared it have said, listen, I don't know if this actually was him or not mm-hmm. um, because it's allegedly from a time before he actually was published. So, so here's the thing. I don't care. Um, even if, that, if that's from him, great. Here's the thing. He made a movie that he wants to, or not a movie, sorry. He wrote a book that he wants to read. In the same vein, Kevin Smith makes movies that he wants to see. Like I'm that, and I like where these guys are coming from. So great. It's like stop. Like just, if it's not for you, it's not for you. You don't have to keep harping on it. And I feel like the internet is obviously we we know this. It's so negative all the time. It's just like get over it. Like this is it's not for you. Just get out of here. Like nobody wants you here. Well, so that's the thing is people don't like that lack of inclusivity of it. They don't like some of the undercurrents from something like that poem, and they don't like that the staunchest, and I'm not talking about you, but some of the staunchest adherence to Klein and his writing fit that same mold that's kind of problematic as this faux feminist type of thing. Just telling you what I hear people say. Okay. What I think or not, because... I still don't even know 100% sure whether he right. wrote this thing. Right, right. It could be someone emulating his style, trying to make a joke about it, considering he used to write poetry. But I'm just telling you where this it's hotbed just... of people having problems with it are coming from. And even to Kevin Smith, I mean, try as he might, he's not been perfect. And he's part of a problem, a product of his environment. I was, re- I actually rewatched Chasing Amy this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite of the viewers universe, and that movie's problematic. It was made 20 years ago. It doesn't hold up in a lot of the ways they talk about gays. Like, yeah, um, the Jason Lee character um, is a homophobe. <laughs> it's like yeah. he's like not a great dude. Yep. Um, but I, I mean, ultimately, I, I think you'd say Kevin Smith wasn't trying to put down gays, especially considering no. 
they try and give a three-dimensional portrayal of gays in that movie, considering they weren't treated super well. It's at the same time that Friends used to do a lot of homophobic shit, too. But people mostly seem to sweep that under the rug as well. Um, but there's going to be people who are going to have problems with that regardless. People have problems with Blazing Saddles and say it's a racist movie. Even though Mel Brooks wrote, made the movie with the sole intention of skewering racism. Right. Uh, and, uh, and some people don't see the nuance in that. And I'd say that even though that movie was like 40 years ago, that did a better job than something like Chasing Amy did with, as far as representation goes. And no one's perfect as well. Um, but intent matters. Some people place a different value on it than others, but it matters. Sure. Here, I think I'm trying to pinpoint what my problem is with all of this. And that is... It's very hard to pinpoint it because it's a complex, multifaceted issue. But my problem, it's not even... It's not Sure, when you talk about the topics that were, are being covered, I feel that way. But like, as a whole... Movies, especially these movies that we're talking about, um, Kevin Smith movies, Ready Player One, these movies are for purely for entertainment purposes. You're supposed to go to see the movie and have a good time. If the movie's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. That's an... Oh, my... What the hell? Oh, sorry. My headphones half came out, and I only heard myself in one ear, and it was very concerning. But... Yeah, I can see how that'd be a problem. Um, it's just there's... To write like a like I don't know like to write a scathing review or like to just be really just just down on it like I just don't get I just don't get it because I don't have that in me like I if I didn't like something I would just be like okay and I would walk away from it yeah I well, and I, I think, think that's what my, is... my problem is probably more existential than than like like whatever their problem is with the movie it's just like I don't I don't get that mindset where if you hate something you have to be super vocal about it you just just let it go. Like that's that's well, my you, personality. You, you touched on it right there. I think without even fully realizing it, the problem is existential, just not in the way that you're thinking about it. Yeah. People have a problem with this guy and where he fits in a sometimes problematic culture, and thus people are imprinting that issue on his product. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the whole conversation that's been going on for quite some time now about whether or not you can separate the artist from the art. Yeah, and I also if we take a second to, to step even further back, you can also call me hypocritical because I am harping on this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of funny. But I'm also, the reason why I am doing that is I'm not because I'm I'm mad at these people, I'm a little bit defensive over the person that is trying to make something out of something that they like. And I don't ever want something like that to be stopped i get it um but the thing is this i think if this movie came out 10 years ago we would have never heard anything about it in the negative Mm -hmm. it's a different time that's true the movie would have come out in may it would have been a blockbuster like crap load of money raked in that would have been the movie that I went to see on my birthday with all my friends in grade school. Like, and, it was and a time everybody that else would have done that. social media. It was a time yeah. before anyone could basically run a background check on people. So no yeah. one would have known about this guy's possibly funky proclivities. Sure. And internet culture hadn't turned into this cesspool yet. So it would have been a different experience at a different time. Yeah. No, it's, that's, that's true. For it's better very, or worse. Very interesting. It's a really cool point of view. Anyway, moving on. 
I'm excited. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> Any more nuggets? Uh, well, yes, I have my my uh, Al's nuggets as supposedly we're calling. We need a we need a transition theme for me to edit in right here. What would that theme be? I don't know. I have to write it. <laughs> Some sort of <laughs> musical cue that just brings us into Al's nuggets. <laughs> Sorry, it's so much fun. Considering <laughs> you didn't run by me whether or not we were gonna just call this Al's nuggets, you will. Wait for my seal of approval on whatever the theme is. That's adorable. You think you have control over that. You'll never know. You won't know until it's live because that's when you would hear it. Because I'm not going to do it here. Set, I will walk off set in indignation. You can't, but it'll already have been live. <laughs> You'll never know. After, yeah, after that for the next episode. Boom. <laughs> oh my god. Go on. Go on with your nuggets. Garland Sundays. Garland Sundays. So, I know it's going to come out weird um, with when we're releasing these episodes, but as far as from us, our perspective recording it, last Sunday, me and Anthony saw Annihilation. Mm. Written and directed by Alice Garland. Yeah. Well, a couple days ago, this Step into this time machine. (laughs) A week later, I sat down with my brother and sister, who had never seen Ex Machina, and I corrected that wrong in the universe. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's some pretty entertaining stuff. I like to torture my sister with this. I've been trying to tell her for the last couple of years that I'm trying to make her a better person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, unfortunately, she uh, kind of falls into certain stereotypes as far as um, teenage girls with their likes and such. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to broaden her perspective on some stuff. So I started making her watch good things. Um and my success rate has been 100%, despite how much of a fight she's put, she's, yeah, she's put up a big fight on all of these things. Um, it started with Cloud Atlas, mm-hmm. and she loved it. Nice. And if that was, I mean, that's a, that's a tough movie to just get into, you know. I had to drag her kicking and screaming to watch The Matrix. Mm-hmm. She bitching on the whole time we were watching it, but you want to know what happened? When Neo gets shot at the end, she gasped. <laughs> she totally bought into it, even though she was complaining the whole time. Right. Um, although I still haven't got her to sit down and watch the second and third one yet. Um, eh. <laughs> Not a crime against humanity. Go on. I, I actually really like those movies. I, I enjoy them too, but they're not... I know that's an unpopular opinion with a lot of people who are big fans of The Matrix, but grow up people. Uh, I will say I I do enjoy I enjoy them. They're nowhere near the caliber of the first one. That's fine, but but, they can, but I but I do enjoy them. I will good. talk about them positively like that. I I I'll watch them again. I own them probably three times. That's the thing with the VHS and then the DVD <laughs> and then the Blu-ray. It's just a whole it's a whole mess. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so there's been a couple things I've, wa- I've had her watch, but it's been a while since I've made her sit down and watch something with me. Uh, but she was back on spring break from school, so I was like, okay, you're going to sit down and watch a movie with me. Because I had just gotten X Machina in the mail on Friday. Uh, she what got back. a great Thursday. day to open up a package. Tremendous day. <laughs> um, so Friday, I was getting ready to go to work, and I was like, hey, uh, Sunday, if you're not doing anything, you're going to watch a movie with me. And she's like, what movie? I was like, I'm not telling you. 
Nice. And she got mad because I knew she was going to when I did that. If I just told her, well, because if I just told her, she's probably going to look it up and spoil it for herself. Or she's going to be, I don't want to watch it. It sounds stupid, this and that. Also, I just enjoy torturing her with that. So um, <laughs> we went through this whole thing. And she's like, oh, well, why don't you tell me what it is? I was like, don't worry about it. You'll like it. She's like, no, I won't. I was like, have I ever led you astray before? And, you know, she racked her brain for a couple minutes and then, no. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so then she's like, well, can you, uh, like, tell me. I was like, I will give you some hints that aren't really going to be that helpful, but you may actually be able to figure it out eventually. So the first hint I gave her as I was walking out the door to work Friday was um, it stars two people who are in Star Wars movies together. Hmm. Which there's a million people who have been in Star Wars movies. Right. <laughs> so I see her Saturday afternoon because um, I think she was up late Friday. Well, did you figure out what movie we're watching? No, there's so many people in Star Wars. Okay, fine. I'll help you narrow it down. Two people in two of the the three new Star Wars movies. I was like, she's like, what? I was like, there's been three new Star Wars movies in the last couple of years. Two people who are in the same movie. Two of them, the three that have been released. Ah, uh, you know, I'm gone for a little bit. I come back. She goes, is it that movie with? About Stephen Hawking, I said, nope, that's wrong Star Wars movie. She was in Rogue One. It's not Rogue One. It's episode 7 and 8. Okay, fine. So I see her Sunday morning. You figure out that movie yet? I spent an hour, and I have no idea what movie it is. <laughs> I was like, what were you doing? Like, If you spent an hour, you definitely should have figured it out by now. Because all you got to do is go on IMDb, click on each actor, see the movies they're in, click on another actor, and see if any of the movies overlap. I like, I, like, I, I like the I like the approach of trying to Google that. Like like what did you, like two actors in Star she Wars and she, like, other went, movie. Like, in the voice, like, <laughs> she went like, the, like she like I'm pretty sure she asked Siri was like, what movie were two people who were in a Star Wars movie also in or something like right, that? Right. <laughs> She's like fun. I was reading these obscure articles and interviews to see if someone would casually mention it. I was like, you do this entirely the wrong way. <laughs> That would be great though if she stumbled upon another movie that we both need to watch. That would have been, that would have been the icing on the cake. That's true too. So I mean, eventually, like, I was like trying to narrow it down because like there's a couple of things I could have given her as hints that she would have figured out in like 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, there's like literally three and a half people in this movie. Like, she's like, how's that gonna help me? I was like, click on an actor, see what movies they're in. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I gave her one more hint. I don't remember what it was. And uh, eventually, she figured it out. She's like, oh. This looks dumb. I was like, see, there you go. It's like, you're going to sit down and watch the fucking movie. <laughs> she loved it. That's great. That's great. It, I mean, it surprised me more, though, that she sat through all of Dread. Um, I didn't think she was going to like that one as much. And, uh, well, I don't think she liked it as much. But I, well, the thing was, we started watching it. Then all of us went and sat down to dinner, had family dinner. And then me and my brother went downstairs to watch the rest of the movie. We were only about 20 minutes in. And she didn't really seem to be paying attention. And she's like, wait, don't start without me. And I was like, Good for you. <laughs> you made me so proud. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I was proud. That's um, awesome. So we'll do an episode soon on Ex Machina probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll That's definitely lend it, but... itself more to an episode than Dread does. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. I'll just have to rewatch it. And that movie definitely. Oh, man, is that movie good? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, no, no. Uh, not burying the lead there. We're going <laughs> to we're going to talk very positively about that movie when that when that episode comes around. Big time. Uh, it's funny rewatching it. I remember seeing Annihilation, and I was like, 
this is X Machina on steroids. But admittedly, I, the last time I saw X Machina was like literally the week it was released, which is a couple of years ago, and I have not seen it since then. Yeah. Um, and now having rewatched this, I can confirm that it's X Machina on steroids. Yeah, so Andrew. back when we were living in the apartments, that was like a uh, probably like a year and a half, two years ago, right? That's wow. I think the movie came out in was it early 2014 or early 2015? Maybe that sounds that sounds right. I remember I was talking to you about it for a while before it came out. Like, I'm I was, pretty sure I picked it up like a couple of months after it came out um, on Blu-ray, and that's when I saw it. Yeah, that's probably right. But, yeah, because I don't think you actually saw it when it came out. I know I didn't. No, remember. I didn't. I definitely didn't see it in theaters. Yeah, April of 2015, so okay. three years ago. Wow, damn. Solid flick. Any more nuggets for us? No, that's the, that's the extent of the nuggets. I'll add one more nugget from me. Uh, movie pass check-in. Oh. I went to a different theater to see Black Panther than I normally go to. And movie pass still works. Now here's the question: Was it? I mean, it's worth it because I'm already paying. I'm only pay, I'm paying the ten dollars a month, right? So it's it's totally worth it to use it. However, this movie theater only charges six dollars for tickets, and that's pretty great. <laughs> nice. So, but movie pass still good. So our flick of the week: Black Panther. Finally, after weeks of saying at some point we're going to do this movie when I get to see it, I saw it last night, and I. Perfect. Drum roll, please. Loved it. <laughs> it was it was solid. It was I mean Very I, good. I would I know like we had shared some thoughts a little bit like you had shared some of your thoughts with me earlier. I don't know. I, I'm not about to jump in and be like, yeah, it's the best Marvel movie made. No. That's not I'm and I'm fairly certain it won't land there, but I haven't thought back on that. Yeah, um, I think ultimately my take is the same. It's definitely been overhyped as far as the quality of the movie itself as far as where it ranks amongst the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it just shoots right to the top of them. Um, but obviously, as far as its achievement from the perspective of making the movie and being successful with it, uh, historic. <laughs> yeah, it's I, it's it's really well done. And like, I, the, the, there's I mean, a it went over a billion dollars worldwide now. It is, it is an incredible achievement. I think the key is that it strays from the formula a little bit more than the other movies and where like it stands on its own like yes. like this movie can be can be by itself and doesn't matter like it does not have to tie into any other movie it does the references are there but they're just there for your fun because you've seen all the other ones but this it stands alone and that's really good and i think what's really important about that and like the the reason why it works so well is marvel it starts off with more of the the references and the things that tie it to the, the the rest of the universe. Like Marvel holds your hand into the movie. It's almost as if you're riding a bike without training wheels for the first time, and then they let you go. Yeah. Like, like I don't know, a third of the way through the movie, and it starts to okay, like okay, cool. You like this guy? Great. Okay, let's let's just let you go with this and explore his story. It's a lot of fun. We'll see you on the other well, side. <laughs> to, to like broaden that analogy because I think it's apt in a lot more ways than just that. Um. In the same way that, like, the way it works when you start that first ride without the training wheels is, you know, where you kind of get it and you're riding, but you're also wobbling and you might crash still because you yep. haven't figured out the brakes 100%. Um, there's still some glitches in this. Sure. Um, because it's weirdly both an origin movie and also not an origin movie at all. I liked and, that, but go and on. You can, 
I, I do like it because it's kind of unique in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some seams in the movie that you can see where it's kind of transitioning between, hey, we're an origin movie to, hey, we're not an origin movie. Right. It's almost like you get you kind of get a i think it's like within the first 15 minutes of the movie you get the the quick origin you understand the concept you understand where these people come from you understand who the black panther is you understand like that it's like it's a thing that gets passed down um and then that's that's that and then you transition to the oh we don't have to find out for the first two-thirds of the movie how he earned his powers and why he right is the way he is this is an established character who we've met before, who we know is powerful, who we know is important, we know why he's important, and he's going to go do hero things, not figure out that he is a hero. Right, and here's here's the really funny thing. Um, to bash DCEU, like, one more time, we brought this character in at the midway point of his story, is what, or at least, you know, closer to the middle of his story, and then we jumped back. But then we jumped forward. Like, they did it right. Like, they introduced the character without the origin in Civil War. He's intriguing. He's interesting. He's there. That's cool. I like to see where this goes. And then they, in this movie, you get a little bit before and you get a little bit after. And it's just it's just really well done. Whereas, well, this is a more streamlined version of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and it, Yeah, exactly. Well, Wonder Woman also worked, but unfortunately it was surrounded by garbage. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I don't mean that to put uh, Wonder Woman down, it, but I do think it took too much the path of an origin story. Yeah. Uh, that's really, honestly, other than the CGI fuckfest at the end of the movie, um, it's really the only thing that holds it back. From which it's still a very good movie, even in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie does a better job of casting those shackles off, <clears throat> but you know that it seems unlikely that Aquaman is going to do the same thing. Right. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like I said this to you um, before we started, but like I can't wait to buy this movie. And that's a that's a thing that it, it happens. I, I buy a lot of movies. I buy movies that I I buy a lot of movies that I kind of like and not even love. It's just a, <laughs> but there's there's times where like I buy a movie and I'll, there's times where I pre-order a movie and I'm excited for the first day that it comes out on you know on well now it's UHD. Uh, blu-ray discs for me but when that when that happens i get really excited i'll get it that day and i'll probably watch it at some point that day or the next day like get the just the get the the drink and the snack and like just like sit down and really enjoy it you know and like this this one will will probably be another one of those the last one wasn't actually that long ago it just happened it was um it was thor ragnarok i just picked it up what the the day it came out and i I freaking man do i love that movie it is so good (laughs) that is certainly up there on the list as well uh but this movie is is it's funny because like that movie is really good because it's funny and it figures out what to do with this character that they've been stumbling with for a few years um and it it's really it's just a great it's almost like the coming of age story for thor it's it's just like really really good but then there's this movie which is just this is a good film in a lot of ways like it's there's really this cool storytelling there's a really interesting plot concept which is it's not it's nothing super unique but the way that it's handled i really liked um i don't want to say too much with that before we get into spoilers um, i will get into that later uh, but it's a, it's just a, it's a different emotion that I get from this movie. But I did really enjoy it. And it's it's going to have the same effect. The next movie that's on that list is Episode Eight comes out. I think for me next week. So um, 
that'll be <laughs> that'll I'm be. Uh, it's coming out pretty soon. I'll have to get that and watch it a few more times again already. A few hundred more times, yeah. Uh, a few hundred more times. Oh, a few hundred more times. Whoa, what? Uh, the pacing of this movie. Thoughts? Of Black Panther? Yeah. Um, mostly pretty good. I I thought it was solid. Yeah. All the way through because there was with a, with movies like this, there's times where you need a lull. You yeah. need to you need to set like you know they they started off classic Marvel style. You know you get a lot of action up front, uh, like a little bit of story. A lot of action, like kind of really that interesting intro that they like to do. Well, actually, it's funny. And they also broke from the mold of the start of Marvel movies because this is the first ever Marvel movie that had a prologue. Mm. I actually liked that. Yeah, um, no, it, it was good. I, I I think the pacing overall is is really, there's like maybe two times where it lulls, but it's not enough to be. Well, no, they also did a good job of pausing. For the right amount of time, there was a couple times where they could have tightened it just a little bit, like, but nothing offensive. Yeah, there's a there's one scene again. We'll get into this part when it, when there's spoilers. I'll get into specifics, but there's a, there is a scene where it stops and it's like it's it, it slows down. You're like, mm. but it, you find out later on. It's like pay attention to what's happening here because this is gonna come back into play. <laughs> Actually, wait a minute. This movie had two prologues. Yeah. Okay. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. <laughs> I just realized that now because I was thinking about. And I thought it was unique that because every other Marvel movie has started with whatever the current version of the right. Marvel thing is. Sometimes it was just the flipping comic book pages. Now they do that big thing where it's all the characters that they're showing from all the different movies. Yeah. But before any of that, this is the first time they ever did something prior to that whole opening, and it was the prologue of the history of Wakanda and how they got the vibranium and all that sort of stuff. With that cool, like, it reminded me of, like, those, remember as a little kid, those little iron filings with the magnet? Yeah, yeah, That's what it reminded me of, is it kept, like, popping up into new shapes to show whatever, to pick whatever that was scene. That was really cool. I liked that. I really liked that. They, they, like, okay, let's do something different to start off the movie, and let's do it in a different way, and also we need to give you a little bit of an exposition dump without boring you, so we'll do this new thing you got to focus on. Mm-hmm. And it only lasts, like, two, three minutes, so had a perfect length then they do their marvel opening thing and then we get another prologue to the story of like actual movie stuff it's not that little artistic thing anymore now it's actual movie it's a flashback to 20 years ago or something like that yeah no that, that's that's true it's really good uh there's the tech and the like the tech and the tech ideas throughout the movie are awesome, and we'll again we'll get into that with with the spoiler free zone. But that that's yeah, something really I, cool. I definitely noted that as well. I thought that there was some really cool technology they got in doing this. But overall, if you haven't seen this movie, go see it. If you're listening to this, you're, this movie is right up your alley. Um, it's I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Is there anything that you want to touch on before we get into we we just lift the veil so that we don't have to worry about it? Um. Not really. I mean, the rest of it is all kind of specific stuff, so. Cool. So, uh, that's it. Spoilers from here on out. Um, there's there's a really cool thing. So, you you mentioned the double prologues. Uh, there's a, it's really funny, because I knew Forrest Whitaker was in this movie, and <laughs> with the, the kids got, the, in the, the young, which we find out is the younger version of him, in the story, he's got a little little something going on with his eye, and I'm I'm wondering at that point if that's, 
<laughs> That's him. And the fact that I'm right, I'm like, it's Forrest Whitaker's eye. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I actually forgot Forrest Whitaker was going to be in this movie. And I remember taking note of that guy having the messed up eye. Uh-huh. But at this point, not remembering that Forrest Whitaker was going to be in the movie. That's really funny. But then when I saw Forrest Whitaker, I still didn't immediately make the connection. Right. Um, a little later, like as they were, he was talking again, I was like, oh, that's supposed to be him. That makes sense. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together earlier in the movie now. Mm-hmm. It was before the big reveals later on with who Killmonger is and everything like right. that, and where he recognizes that that's who that was. But, yeah, no, it took me longer to remember and, like, make that connection. I, I, I don't know why. I should have, the second I saw Forrest Whitaker, remembered that that's who that was supposed to be. Yeah, that, I mean, that was really funny to me that, like, I, I mean, I picked that up because, like, I, I, I enjoy Forrest Whitaker and the things that he's in, but that is obviously... Like, <laughs> he was kind of, in some ways, playing a slightly tamer version of his character from Rogue One. Uh, yeah, same voice and everything in, in some yeah, parts. Like the ridiculous like mannerisms and like the weird voice and stuff. Like yeah. although they, he gave it like a a more like native African uh, like tilt to his accent, but right. the voice itself was very similar. It's kind of funny because like, this is a thing that happens in Marvel movies. Like you know, it, we were we were back in time, and then every character that they focused frame on that person's face was somebody relevant for later on in the movie. Like you have to, at the, I mean, I'm I'm accustomed to this. I knew that that was going to be the case for every character that they did, so it wasn't too much of a shock to me. And yeah. but I can see that if you're not paying attention, like when you're watching the movie, like that being like a really cool reveal, like for all of these characters in the end, um, mainly the people that were sitting two rows in front to the right of me that were just talking it up, and like <laughs> I was like, uh, just like, just why are you here? Sorry for this little rant, but just leave the theater. Like I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want you here, <laughs> and I paid to be here too. Get out of the theater, <laughs> anyway. Um, but like well, they, considering you, know, you wrote an entire screed in an article about me having my phone on on the lowest possible brightness setting. Yeah, yeah, I can see how you'd respond to yeah. a bunch of people who are just carrying on having a conversation, not watching the movie. Yeah, equally savage. Um, so, <laughs> so there's. So again, like they they focus on the little kid's face, like he's he's full, he's front and center. He's like, okay, this guy's somebody, and then they focused on like you know these characters are not just one offs. Like they're gonna they're gonna be relevant in some point. So we we already know that it's not not surprising. The way that it all folds and comes together is really really nicely done. Um, but that being said, the the brother of T'Chaka, the one that he kills. Now, this is a this is a funny thing. This there's a lot of big names in the movie, and they there's just no holds bars with introducing a big name actor and then just kill him. Like <laughs> like there's a lot of them in this movie. There's I think that I've got I've got three listed down here. Wait, who died? Yeah. Well, the first one was that that character in Jobu, Sterling K. Brown. Right. Who? I mean, I don't know if you watch This Is Us, but I love no, Randall. I love Randall to death. So this, even though I knew, like, <laughs> this one, it's not that character, but it made me sad to see him go. <laughs> I was devastated. But anyway, so that's that's one. That's that's a big name in my in my opinion. Who and they took him out, and they took him out pretty quick. Um, <laughs> in the prologue. Yep, the first the prologue. prologue. Oh, second one. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Uh, and then the the second one would be well, I'll get to the 
The second, the one in chronological order, I'll get to the second one last. But then Forrest Whitaker also just. Oh, okay. Sorry, just, the way you framed it at first, I thought you meant like people who like had very short screen time. Oh He'd no. Been several scenes before he got. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean for for a Marvel movie, it's technically a short screen time because most Marvel movies end in end up having more than one. So like you would think that okay, it's the big names, these characters will probably carry over. In some way or another, but no, they off a lot of these people right away. So Forrest Whitaker done. Now the most upsetting one to me was Andy Serkis because yeah, because they finally let him be Andy Serkis in this movie. And what a villain was he! He was. I know. I was, I expected him to continue on in this universe. I was he, genuinely upset he's not going to be around. He is to the Marvel universe as Heath Ledger was to the DC universe, except having even more fun. He was having a blast, and so was I watching him. I know, that's why I wanted more of oh, him. I was having fun because he was having fun. It was so good, and it was just like, when it, when it, when it's over, I'm like, I was, it's such a weird thing. I rooted, like, similar to the Joker, like, I love every, I loved every minute he was on the screen, and I was like, oh, this guy is so compelling. Like, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens next with this bizarre, bonkers, just out of control character who is just literally just doesn't he's just he's high on life he's or yes. high, well and, and the adrenaline that's pumping through him from doing all these crazy things but he's uh he, it was just like what is gonna happen next when he gets shot i was like no wait that's a bad guy i shouldn't feel this way well the thing is they definitely set it up in that scene like i was like they're gonna kill him off aren't they please don't do that yeah and, and then they do and i was like I can't believe you guys fucking did that. He is. I will have to. I'll have to reconsider this and go through and think about all the villains in all of the Marvel movies so far. But if you were to ask me today, who was the best villain in a Marvel movie? It was him. For well, me. this one has two. This one has two of the best ones. I I agree because because the and both of them were given short shrift. Both of them should have survived this movie. Both of them what? Both of them should have survived. This oh, you movie. think so? Yeah, because they've been two of the best ones. Yeah. And well, the only one who maybe is better than them is Loki, and he's still around. What a character that Loki is. Exactly. But, um, but just, he he crushes it. And like you said, like, I almost, <laughs> it's really funny because he is, he is like, over the top in his scenes. And it's almost like. Like, he definitely toes the line. Like, he gets pretty close to going too much a couple of times. Yeah. Because, like, one of the best ones, even though it's also possibly the most ridiculous, is when he makes the joke about having a mixtape coming out. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was amazing. Also, and then they, get, they have the car the car chase scene afterwards, and he's like, let's put some music on. Like, what's going on here? Like, this is like, yeah. like that's some fun. <laughs> but, oh, man, does he deliver in this movie. So good. And that, uh, uh, the arm cannon thing that he has. Pretty badass. Pretty cool. Pretty cool concept. Also, I think we'd be remiss if we move off the topic of Andy Serkis if we didn't mention the fact that it's kind of hysterical that Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman got to have a yep. close-up scene sitting down in that interrogation room. And I'm just like, ah, we've done this before. It's going to be kind of funny. Those two guys probably had to laugh a bit. Oh, I guess we're back here again. Like, right. Gollum and Bilbo, Ross and, uh, <laughs> and uh, what's Claw? Like, yep. the like they're just sitting there, like they kind of like roll reversed from their like moves in like the Hobbit, where like Gollum seemed like he had the upper hand for most of their scene together in the first Hobbit movie, and in this case Ross has you know because Claus lost his arm and is tied up now. So. Yep. 
But I, yeah, just if he's like, I'm. Sh- there's definitely a time like during shooting. I and I really hope there's a blooper reel where he just was talking to him and then just went, <laughs> just <laughs> which would have that would have been great to see. <laughs> like if they did that in one of the post credit scenes. But oh man, what a cool character! I just man, I'm 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 sad to see him go. Me too. Because he was he was great. I want to. I really want to see him being him in more movies. Rest in peace, you listen's claw. Yeah, rest in peace indeed. Um, moving on, there's a there's a couple of cool things I want to touch on here. So, the there's these really cool, very clean lines between locales in the movie. So, like, there's Wakanda, right? And it's super interesting because there's this um, technological advancement in a vacuum. Right, so like it's they this there's this this tribe because they you know they've been they've been had access to this for a very very long time, and they've they've kept it secret. So they've developed with this vibranium, and they've you know they've gotten smarter, and they've built these crazy ass tools and stuff. But they also they they held on to their traditions, and I think if you think about it, it probably makes a lot of sense that they were able to do that because they secluded themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're in Wakanda and you get these really awesome um, scenes where you're in the in the streets and there's like these, you know, beautiful like basket art and things like that being sold on the streets. But then at the same time, everybody's got these watches that have hologram like video calling going like it's just such a really cool aesthetic. They were basically the Omni tools for Mass Effect. Yeah. And it was it was awesome. I, I really like that because and it, there's. It was just there was just something really cool about it because it was very interesting because if you really again if you think about it and you think okay what would happen if you took a small society and you like threw them forward hundreds of years with advanced technology that nobody else has so they they developed faster than anybody else so there's still certain traditions that stuck with them that that's just a really cool concept to me yeah I really like it was that. an interesting blending of the old versus the new or the old yeah. with the- I guess because you get the like I said you get the town, but then you also get their home base kind of area or the, the I mean obviously we know from the skyline there's other gigantic buildings. It's not and nobody it doesn't nobody's living in poverty. It's they're just living by traditions. No one's living in poverty, even though they're pretending that everyone's living in poverty, right, which is also a really funny thing. But uh, yeah, and it. I also it's, love that even really he cool. says it like early in the movie when he gets when he's flying back and he says, "No matter how many times I do this, I always love this part." As they get ready to fly through the hologram yeah. and see how badass everything yep. is, so cool. So that so that's one like they, you get like this mysticism about that area. Like they, this is a go. Oh, let me let me like really think about this place for a while. Like let me. I'd love to get lost in this world for a little bit because it's a really cool thing. Then you get the Korea locale and the set piece that they have there, where you have this bananas casino, which is just very reminiscent of like Rush Hour but on steroids. And then you have the street chases. And the you know the tight the tight streets and the crazy cars and like the beautiful lights and the neon and it's very uh, it, like there's like a Tokyo Drift <laughs> aspect to it like the yeah. color palette type thing and like that was really cool and then you have you have London and in the London scenes that is like the just you know modern everyday Marvel time frame London yeah and like to have those three different areas in one movie it's it's really cool. Like you, you're jumping through them, and it's also also we had 
20 years ago and present day Oakland, right? Yeah. Oh, right, right. Of course. But like that kind of fell into the same similar vibe of the like this is the more like standard look that we expect. Yeah. Which I think is important. And then you get the, it makes the it kind of uh, makes the other ones shine a little bit more, which is really cool. So it's just it was just really fun to be in this movie and jump between these places and get just these crazy different aesthetics in the same in the same storyline. Yeah, I really really enjoyed that. And also the transition between them felt natural too. It didn't feel like we were getting like our head whipped around like jumping back and forth, and like we spent just the right amount of time in each one. Like, it didn't feel like we overstayed our welcome yeah. from our non-Wakanda-based scenery. But we spent enough time that it felt lived in, kind of. Like, it felt like a part of, like, the re- the real regular world. Right. And it's funny, because I wonder... We talk about that opening scene with the, uh, like, almost like the metal shavings, like you were talking about, where, like, they show you the storyline of the origin through this this tech that you find out later is something that they use. Um, but you you learn it through that, so it almost makes it easier to make those transitions. Yeah, and like it's it's subtle, and I don't know if it's intentional, but it definitely works. If if that's the case, okay, that's I think that's really cool. Uh, there's a <laughs> another piece of this. So I was thinking about like all these like these different scenes, and the, like I had mentioned the Tokyo that the the Korea one reminded me of like the color palette for like Tokyo Drift or something like that, with like you know the crazy neon and um, like you know, that the badass cars and stuff. There's a lot of of awesome like movie homages going on throughout this, like things that I really really enjoy. So I'm gonna rattle a couple of them off. We'll go through them real quick. The Lion King. So when he's on the ancestral plane. Okay. There's it, the the music, the visuals. It's very, very much Mufasa talking to Simba, and it's yeah. really cool. And I loved that, and so much so that in the scene where after he's thrown off, when he's thrown off the uh, the waterfall, mm-hmm. I just wish that there was a way to work Rafiki in to say the king has returned. Like that would have been <laughs> that would have just I would standing ovation. Like I mean, it's Disney, right? Like they could do that if they really wanted to. I suppose that's true. <laughs> so that would have been really funny. Or if somebody said that and there's just like slyly slight turn to the camera, but <laughs> that would have been amazing. This um, isn't Deadpool. Deadpool's not allowed to be a part of. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's what we missed. I'm sorry. Like, like yeah. hiatus here on on the rest of the story for now. Um. Did you hear, apparently, the test screenings for Deadpool 2 were bombing? No. Yes. Oh, no. I just saw that yesterday. That's terrible. I knew, see, I told you before we, when we did our pre-show, I told you, I feel like there was something I saw yesterday. That was the one. And I don't remember what it was. That's what it was. Uh-oh. There was, there's only a couple of them, and it's unverified at this time. Like, the, the sources I saw this from were not the ones I'm typically used to giving credence to is people sure. claiming they were in the test screenings and that it was bombing with the audience. Although yeah, sure. admittedly it's a very small sample size and sometimes those things there'll be one or two where it bombs with, but it'll be like successful across the board with the rest of them. So, but that's a little bit worrisome. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to keep a close eye on that, especially as uh, more screenings interviews come or previews come out. Uh, so other movie, 
movie nods. Uh, like I, I had mentioned the Tokyo Drift thing because of the, again, like the color palette, like it really reminds me of that. It also reminds me of Need for Speed Carbon. I don't know if you ever played that game, but it's just the the crazy car chase and the like the, just like the visceral scenery. Like it just reminded me of that. And on they top of cool that, stuff in that. They did some cool stuff in that car chase. I really liked that tech where um, the sister, uh, was it Sherry, was able to like hop in the driver's yes, seat. Yes, that was, was cool. There. And he's just up on top of the car and shit like that. Like that was pretty cool. It was awesome. So, but you you tie that into like the crazy car chase, which was very bad boys too. Like all the all the nonsense going on, like while they're driving through, and then the comedy of bad boys too as well. Like that's I feel like I, it might not be intentional, but it feels like a nod to like that type of movie and that okay. type of thing. Um, two things that happened in there that that blew my mind that I just thought were great. One when um, I'm going to call her Michonne. Because I don't know her character's name in the movie. Is it Okoye? What is it? Okoye? That sounds right. Yeah, no. this character, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look at it. Yeah, that's right. Okoye. Um, when she throws the spear through the windshield, but because it's vibranium, it when it hits the ground, it goes through it and stops and causes the car to hit itself and flip. That was just... I was like, that's amazing. I don't yeah, know, I was like, how is she going to take this down? Like, she's just going to like pop a tire? Or... Right. Nope, it became one of those like fucking cone things they pop up from like like secure areas yeah. to stop cars. Like, and, but like in a really that it was that was like the concept that they merged together. Like, okay, we have this awesome weapon that is supposed to be like the strongest thing, right? And then we have this car. Here's the cool thing that I've seen in movies before: when that thing comes up and the car flips over, how can we merge these tools together? <laughs> <laughs> so you get that, and then you get the uh, Ulysses shoots the car with his hand cannon and she comes sliding down the road with the sitting in the seat with the steering wheel in her hand oh yeah that was that was hysterical that was just really funny to me so that was Wait, can talk about how much fucking ass that Denai Guerrero kicked in this movie yeah like she made Michonne look timid that was awesome but like that like, combat training I'm guessing plus whatever choreography they went through here like that's awesome yeah, like, her character was ridiculous in this. Like, the, even just, like, something as simple as, like, the beginning of the scene in the casino where, which also I thought was hysterical that she's bald in this With entire movie. And then she's wearing a ridiculous wig yep. and commenting on wearing a ridiculous wig, even though she wears a ridiculous wig in Walking Dead all, all the time. The time. Yep. And the first thing she does when shit goes down in the casino is to grab the wig and throw, throw it at something, <laughs> use it as a weapon. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. So there's uh the the two other the two other movie nods. One is the Star Wars Jedi Council. I guess. Yeah. So the reason I say that is not to I mean sure it's just a council right. It's not like it's Star Wars, but if you think about it, the way the room is laid out with the windows and what's going on in the background and the city, <laughs> it's very Coruscant esque, and it's it yeah, just reminds me of that. those scenes. And I thought that was cool. And then the biggest one, which is this is if this is intentional. This is 100% intentional. The person who did this was a James Bond fan. Um, his sister is Q, and it's awesome. Yeah, basically. Like, they like they have the whole scene of James Bond walking in to the, like, to the lab, and then Q saying, here's all the gadgets that you're going to use throughout the rest of this movie. Pay close attention, because each one of them will become very important at some point or another. Except the boots. The boots, the sneakers didn't play a role at all. Just a cheap joke. It was a really cheap joke, but it was really funny. It was okay. That was I actually something that I, I kind of commented on. was like, 
some of the corny jokes are hit or miss, and I was, like I laughed, but I also like was like, don't don't do that. <laughs> we don't we don't need a one of those jokes. <laughs> but what was so? What's great about that scene? Because one, I I just remember like you know growing up on like Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never Dies, and the scenes with James Bond and Q were my favorite scenes of those movies. Where he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see these things in action. And when we find out what that suit can do, I'm like, that is gonna be dope. <laughs> that was a badass suit. The fucking kinetic energy absorption and yeah. then, like, amplification redirection. That was so badass. cool. I love that. It's such a good time. So I mean, it kind of dug, dug the whole purple yeah. like, vibe to it. it was, I wasn't sure how I was going to mix up wearing like a like the black thing and having like this dark purple thing. Yeah. Watching purple like spheres of energy every time he decided to detonate it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was really good. It added it a it lot. Really of added a lot. This movie. <laughs> yep, yep. The color palette's phenomenal. It's and, like the purple horizon and the ancestral plane. Yep, a little, little trippy. It's not annihilation level trippy, but it was a little trippy for sure. You know what was what really got me? The first scene that I really really noticed it in was the uh, um, like the proving thing or or the challenge thing where they where Mbaku challenges him to the fight. Mm-hmm. In that scene, because each of the tribes is there and they're all off the side of this mountain and everybody's wearing these very, very colorful garbs, like, that, it, it was just, like, in your face. Like, all of the colors. <laughs> like, the, the, yes, the whole palette was, was very awesome. Bright. And I, I, I really liked that. That was solid. There's, the, well, that was it for the, um, the, uh, the movie nods that I wanted to mention. But I, something that was... But I think it really makes this thing work. Uh, Chatter the rhinos. The, the rhinos. <laughs> I have that as listed under my funnies. My funnies list. The oh, rhino said, was really funny because this was this was where uh, what I was mentioning earlier, where there was a scene where there was a lull, but it ends up being like, "Hey, just 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 pay a little bit of attention because this is going to come up later." Because I knew as soon before it happened, I knew what was happening, and I was like, "Oh, good God, the rhinos are coming." When he had, when he took the horn off of his belt, I was like, no, 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 not the rhinos. Did not expect them to have crazy ass armor on. But <laughs> those rhinos were fucking ridiculous. That, that, is, was, that was really cool. Also, and, uh, speaking of movie nods, that whole scene played out in a like a more frenetic version of like the Battle of Pelennor and like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they had their gigantic fucking armored rhinos as opposed to skyscraper sized elephants, like. Mm-hmm. Still kind of worked. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was oh man, that was, it was a lot of fun. So Chadwick Boseman, go on. He pulls off the whole "I'm a king" thing really well in this movie. Like I believe it. Yeah, I think he plays the character. I I don't I don't see you picking a better person to play this role. I really enjoyed it. The voice annoyed me slightly at times. Why is that? I don't know. Because I really only felt like his annoyed me, not really anyone else. Oh, interesting. Um, but also they had him do it a lot, so that's probably also why. Like, yeah. he probably had the most lines like that, so, like, I get it. Um, but overall, I still think that he did a pretty damn good job in this role. Yeah. And it's, a, like, a physical role. Like, they required him to do a lot of things, like, you know... Like, Tony Stark, it's not really Robert Downey Jr. doing a lot of action scenes. It's just usually his face and then CGI suit. Right. And there's plenty of CGI suit in this as well, but he also had two extended fight scenes yeah. where he was wearing, like, a loincloth. So, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't know, immediately I'm sure they used stunt doubles and stuff like that, but some of it still also has to be him. Right. Right. But yeah, he, he pulls it off and he, he does a he does a great job. It, it's I love when you when you're able to attach a character to the actor like that quickly. Like I see this guy, I'm like, oh this is Black Panther. I don't know that can that can hurt you a little bit in your it's career. Funny, he's played a bunch of iconic roles. Yeah. Like uh I let me see. Let me take a quick gander. He's played James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson. Like that's some some pretty That's awesome. Some pretty big time people he's played. <laughs> oh, okay, right. In forty two. Oh, and I saw Get On Up. I just didn't know that was him. That's great. Understandable because they, they transformed him pretty well in that movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that was solid. So he he was solid. Now the other the other villain that was also Again, another great. It's it's funny because like we talked about circus because he was just he's just tremendous. But Michael B. Jordan kills it in this movie. Yeah, it's funny because I kept hearing people say that like a ton before like the movie came out. Like, oh my gosh, he's great. This villain's so great. This is, and I agree with all those things. While at the same time, also he really did not get much screen time. No, he he didn't. But. He had like, considering how much people were raving about him, it's astonishing how little screen time they gave him. Like I'm actually that's I think one of the main flaws of this movie is he was a villain I wanted to see more yeah. of. Like like he was compelling whether you agree or disagree with his you know, his plan and his politics or whatever, and mm-hmm. it was somewhat sympathetic, obviously, even though he's trying to do something that is more or less well-intentioned in a deranged way. Right. But I, I feel like it, it's honestly, unfortunately, a failing of this movie. He needed more screen time. I, I agree. I would have loved to see more of him. I And I realized what you were saying earlier, like, the, yeah, two characters are taking us from too soon because he didn't get that screen time. Yeah, I agree. If he if he was featured more, it might have worked a little bit better. That's probably true. I just felt like we were kind of robbed of more of him being him. I agree. That's that's very fair. There's a, the the thing I wanted to mention though. Um, also, that dude got freaking jacked for this. Movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. The, so the prompts for him and who he is and how he is are nothing new. Like it's 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 been done in movies and stuff before, but his delivery is what makes it complicated. Like because he's I. You can feel for the character and where he's coming from because he's he's very good at delivering that character. So like, well, it, like I think what part of what made him unique was um, delivering barely constrained rage mm-hmm. at nearly every moment he's on screen without feeling like it was overdone. Yeah. What's like that? a lot of times when someone's angry all the time on screen, they get annoying. Yep. And I never felt like he was annoying in that way because I, I wanted to hear more. Right. No, I, I agree. That's And because he kept it balanced. Because awesome. if you don't balance it right, you become Hayden Christensen at the end of Revenge of the Sith. High uh, <laughs> ground. Um, no, prior to that. I know. <laughs> so there's, there, here's another, another interesting thing which is done poorly in a lot of movies but done really well here. And forgive me for not knowing their actual character names in the movie, but Michonne, Maz Kanata, and Q are not just filler. <laughs> <They're>... 
they're crucial to the way that they... In order, Okoye, Nakia, and Shuri. Thank you. Thank you kindly. Um, They're not... A character like that is normally just like a filler piece, I feel. And... Their no, they felt are... like real characters. They didn't just feel like sidekicks. Exactly, and that's awesome because they they're super relevant and they're super they're they're crucial to the way that things play out in the movie. They felt like an ensemble instead of just the Warriors Three. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly, and that that's that's great. Like, and that's you got. There's got to be more of that. Yeah. Well, I've heard some people. Clamoring for like a Dora Milaje movie, like about like those warrior, Ooh. like the like the, like that. basically like they are Secret Service warriors. Like uh-huh. e- even though most of them outside of Aquae don't get a ton of screen time or lines, although a couple of them got a couple little jabs here and there. But um, I think most of them ended up dying by the end of the movie, though. Hmm. But um, that would work as a as a good comic. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing series. that would work. In like a smaller medium, because I don't think there's enough there for it to be like its own standalone movie per se. Right. Um, it's the type of thing that either you give them more screen time next time around, or like you could do like a Marvel Netflix show on them or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, the good guys in this movie are flawed, and I like that. And they're flawed yeah. just because of the basically because of the king's prior to them and like they 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 follow they follow the king they follow follow the royalty like you know very strictly good people doing the best thing that they could with a flawed price right and that's it's i love that all of the they nothing's black and white like everything's like okay yeah but it's a little complicated (laughs) there was only like two white actors in the whole movie oh god Well done. Spe- speaking of which, I love I love me some Martin Freeman. I mean, he's good. They use him just the right amount. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree. The but also make him out to be like this cool little badass hero with the whole like yeah. I'm gonna stay in this thing even if this thing breaks through and kills me because yeah. I understand well, how serious the situation their is. That way, right? What's that? He finally earned their respect that way. Yeah. I, was, I did think it was kind of a funny, like you were saying, like a nod to the larger universe when they bring him in with the, the spinal injury, and Sherry says, "You brought me another broken white boy to face." And it's like, yeah. oh, that's right. Where is uh, where is the Winter Soldier? Where is he hiding now?" Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. And yeah, then that that was you know, that was a solid after credit scene. Yeah, I actually I wish they had given us a little more with that. I don't just because it's a it's just meant to be a tease, which I not appreciate. a lot more, just a little bit. Like see somebody else, see Cap or something. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, there's probably no reason for him to not be there because he's in hiding as well. Right. Um. Yeah. No. I, maybe just Ooh. thirty more seconds of the chit chat. What if they were having that little chat and then Cap comes on screen? He's like, "We gotta go." <laughs> okay. I mean, it's happening, right? It's it's in a couple of months. Yeah, that that would be that would have been pretty cool. I'm sure they have their their. Which is interesting. I mean, I think ultimately, I agreed with them not using an Infinity Stone in this one. Yeah. Um, In fact, I wasn't expecting there to be one, even though I knew there was a possibility for it. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately, I'm glad because it did allow them to have that distance from what's going on, even though 
the events of this are very real to like impact because if you anyone who's seen the trailers for for uh, Infinity War, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in Wakanda. A lot of those characters we are introduced to in this movie have been in those trailers. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to see more of Okoye kicking ass in this movie. Like oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be good. The speaking of kicking ass, the choreography in this movie is awesome. Yeah. The the fight scenes like we we talked about the. The, like the big battle on the hill, but the the challenge fight in the water and using the water as, as part of it, yeah, like that was that was cool. I really like. At first, I was like, "This is annoying. Like, why 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 are you sitting in the water?" Oh, to make this scene really cool when they start fighting. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> which was which was well done. But uh, so I do I do feel bad. I also I um I kind of busted us out of what we were talking about. And there was one more point I wanted to make about the whole thing before I made the black and white joke. Um, part of what, what made it work, the whole idea of like you were saying about not everything being black and white is they gave you a sympathetic villain and they gave you good guys who are conflicted or even possibly doing the wrong thing. Right. Where this is one of those movies where people always talk about it, but it's hard to actually execute where, one of the reasons Killmonger works is he is the protagonist of his own story. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of times the villain is someone who is the antagonist of the protagonist. This is almost a movie with dual protagonists. We're just given kind of 55-45 on Black Panther's side. Yeah, they they, they gave you the Zengief um, monologue from Wreck-It Ralph. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. <laughs> didn't say the movie. I went over my head. Oh no! It's so good. You didn't see Rick and Ralph. No. Please go see it. Aren't they doing a sequel to that too? Yes, and it's gonna be great. Oh man, that movie is fantastic. We need to do that. Uh, we'll see. You you will like that movie. You will definitely okay. like that movie. It, it feels like the animated version of Ready Player One. Okay. I don't <laughs> see what the problem is there. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's a positive or negative, just making an observation. There. Maybe that's why I liked it. <laughs> that movie's great. But they have a they have like a little um all of the villains are in like a it's almost like an AA meeting, but it's a group therapy meeting. And Zengi from Straight Street Fighter says, Just because you are a bad guy doesn't mean you are a bad guy. <laughs> 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 but Oh, I love that movie. Anyway, a uh, couple of funny things that I have listed here. One, Wakabi's heavy breathing. So in the scenes where they uh, they have their arms crossed and they're like they're like they're breathing, but they're doing a little bit of a bounce. He's got this robe around him, and it just looks absurd every time the camera cuts to him. And I, it, it was Kim pointed it out, and it was just it's hysterical. Well, I was curious about that whole thing because the way it was he wore it for the whole, like most of the movie. I was wondering whether or not it was going to be used as kind of a reveal at some point. Like it seemed like it was intentionally obscuring something about his physiology. Mm. I was wondering if he had some sort of like horrific, like war wound or some sort of dis- like disfigurement or something like that, that it was covering up. Cause it I, I seemed think it was, maybe just made him stand out a little bit more. I th- well, it just cause it, it seemed unnecessarily bulky. Right. Especially like during those like, scenes. 
What? Especially during those scenes. Well, yeah, that's why, like, when you say, like, it, like, <laughs> up like that, like, it, I remember while I was watching, I was like, are we going to get, is there something about this? Like, I mean, like, there was plenty of things that was like, oh, what's going on over there? But it seemed like it was, like, being used to obscure something about him, but that didn't end up paying off in any way. Yeah. That was odd. The The other funnies that I have listed, one was the rhinos, but we talked about that. Um, the other one was, this, this was one that it made me go, ah, and I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm sad that it took this long. T'Chaka and T'Challa. Yeah. Now, I knew the names were very similar to the whole movie, but I couldn't tell you which one was which <laughs> until the end in the post credit scene. <laughs> When they said both of their names one after the other, and I went, ah, <laughs> um, wasn't proud of that. Yeah, that's not great, um, especially since this is the second movie that both of them are in. Um, that doesn't actually makes it harder. <laughs> Just add another what, letter. I, I or something. there was more Help time to have figured it out. That's fair. Um, I was actually going to kind of circle back to the whole idea. Um, of Wakabi, especially since we did Get Out, was that last week? Yeah. Last week, and um, more Daniel Kaluuya talk, and he was also uh, pretty Two weeks good ago at- from this episode. Annihilation is coming out Thursday. And then Get Out will be after that. No. I might have them backwards. You definitely have them backwards. I've got them backwards. I definitely have them backwards. It was last week. Moving on! <laughs> Um, Go on. Yeah, anyway, um, Daniel Kaluuya, who we've both seemed to enjoy as an actor, yeah. um, also okay. having... Seems like he had fun some in this movie. Yeah. He got to play kind of a little bit more, like, sneaky, snarky, witty, like, guy in this. Um, you kind of saw that eventually he'd be the one to betray him, but didn't make it not hurt when it happened, because I kind of liked that they were friends, and he was just kind of funny, cracked a couple jokes, and... Um, no, it was just kind of a shame to see him kind of give in to his hate mm-hmm. and revenge. Uh, I can understand why he did, um, but it doesn't mean I didn't, like, as it was going on, like, don't you do it, and then he ends up doing it. Um, but I also kind of felt it was a little bit of a broken note, him and his relationship with Okoye. Yeah. Because like, they have to, like, explicitly say it, early, say it early on, which actually was fine as far as introducing it. The but I never thing. felt it. Yeah, I agree. That was so a, little, a little it, odd. So when it comes up to the point where that's what decides the battle at the end, or at least decides on how many more people are going to die, mm-hmm. like it's like you know, like they had to literally come back and say, "Are you going to kill me, the person that you love?" And it's like, right. eh, could have done that better. Yeah. Like it should have been a little bit more naturally done in the movie, where like you actually. Feel the stakes as opposed to having to be told what the stakes are. I, I can get behind that. And not a big deal. No. But just like a little thing. In, in a movie that was so good that did so many things right, the few things that stuck out as being wrong stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I that makes total sense. I agree with that. Um, there's the last item on my funnies list is I don't know if you paid close attention to the credits, but did you see how Stan Lee was credited? I don't remember. Thirsty Gambler. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, <was talking. laughs> I enjoy that. I'm just going to hold on to these for safekeeping. Safe. 
That's AKA, things you're going to call me in future episodes. Thirsty gambler. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we have to enjoy Stanley as much as we can because his future appearances are dwindling. Mm. And that's not even like a thing, like a joke about like him going to be like dying soon because he's old. He said that he's got a limited amount that he's going to do. Yeah. Going forward, which is a shame. But also, he's over ninety. So yeah, I was gonna say he's getting up there. Like we can cut, we can cut the guy a break. Yeah, the, no, the, I, mean, I mean, give him a break. It's just every scene that he has been in though has been a home run. Yeah. I think one of my favorites is I don't even remember which Spider-Man uh, movie. Maybe not the one in Guardians too. That one I could have. Oh, that was funny. Eh. The uh, but I love the one in Spider-Man. I don't remember which one it is, but when they're fighting in the library and he's got the headphones on. The Garfield one, the first Andrew Garfield one. Oh my one. god, that is that is so great. Yes, I agree. But uh, that's actually all my notes. You have anything else you want to cover? Uh, I mean, just got a couple little things. Um, I really enjoyed the spirit plane visits. Yeah. Uh, especially when we see, because we see two for T'Challa and one for Killmonger. Yeah. Actually, it's weird that they don't have it on the IMDb page. What is? Wakandan name was. Oh, they don't. Like, they don't. It's not listed here. But I, I saw it on something earlier today. Actually, it's it's N something like N Jaka or something like that. It was like a longer name than the rest of them had, mostly. Okay. Um, or at least more syllables. Um, I kind of thought it was cool how they ha- had two very different ones because it was reflected in their own. Lives basically like T'Challa is in Wakanda, and Killmonger's is in that apartment in Oakland. Yeah. Plus they have that whole cool thing. Although they still have the same, there's still some overarching things that that draw the two together: the, the purple horizon and background stuff like that, that ethereal quality to it, um, and the fact that no matter who you are, you go back and you talk to your father. About what came, who about what came before you, and what made you who you are, and what to do next. Mm-hmm. Oh, I liked uh, it, it, uh, for that topic when uh, Tachaka says, "You know, a father has to prepare his son for when he's no longer going to be here," and like he's T'Challa is uh, he's struggling with it. But when they mm-hmm. do Killmonger scene, he's like, "You're not, you don't seem upset." He's like, "Everybody's got to die sometime." Like yeah. he prepared him. And like that, it just it just helps make it even more unclear. Like there's a there is a, a bad side to the, what he's trying to do, but it's his motivations are are sound. Yeah. In a way, and it just it, it just adds to all of that. And it was just I feel like that was really well done. And the you know if you, you can get an Oscar for a single tear role like that was <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. I guess but, Right is is T'Challa's journey is to do the wrong thing the right way, yeah. And Killmonger's thing is to do the quote unquote right thing the wrong way, mm-hmm. and that's what sets him at odds. Yeah, very very cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. And oh, I also thought it was really cool how they shot it, where half the scenes are him as a little kid, and half the scenes are him. Yeah. Present time. Oh, that was good editing. I liked that a lot. Yeah. It was because it was done really seamlessly. I, I actually thought it was really cool. You know, yeah, and not only just done so seamlessly that there's it. It's you see it, and it's uh, it feels right when it happens. There's no, there's nothing jarring about it. 
No. And that's that. I don't know how they pull that off, but it's it well done. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, you realize what's his name? Ryan Coogler is like. Is he like thirty-one? I don't know. He's like super young. It's awesome. Yeah, he's turning thirty-two in a couple of months. Good for you. And he's made only a few movies and had a big impact. Like his debut was Fruitvale Station. Right. Um, and then he made Creed, which everyone seems to love. I haven't seen. Oh it yet. man, Creed was good. And then he's got this. I actually I need to see Fruitvale Station. I really wanted to. I've never seen it. I'm just aware that it's critically acclaimed. Yeah. Also, all three of them starring Michael B. Jordan. Right. In some capacity solid, or other. Solid choice. Yeah. No, they got a good thing going together, so. Keep it up. Um, we kind of hit on the corny jokes and stuff. We hit on the fun tech as well. Those were a couple of notes that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really liked this whole cast. I mean, it was a gigantic yeah. cast. Um, and I like it for just like, there's a bunch of people that I like in it. And also, it seemed like they all meshed together really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's his name? I, I, I felt like I knew him, but I really didn't, I guess. Um, the guy who played Mbaku, um, Winston yeah. Duke. He ended up being really entertaining after I thought I was going to be annoyed by him early on. Oh, my God. The scene where friggin' Martin Freeman starts talking and they all start barking at him. I actually thought that was a little bit too much, but the, the, the line follows it up with about them being vegetarians was hysterical. That was great. But they they also they barked at him long enough to pull the family guy of it being okay enough and then it was they got an extra chuckle and then they added that joke on top of it which made the which made me crack up. Actually, I guess you're I guess you're right. They, it, yeah, cuz well it was it was like towing the line between being too long and being so long that it became funny again. Yeah. Cuz at first I'm just like, okay, like we get it. And you're still barking, great. Fantastic. Uh yeah, okay, thanks. We're done. Good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But the, yeah, the, the vegetarian line. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, don't, I think that's it. I just, I really liked the cast. And yeah. there's just like a lot of like nuts and bolts to this that I enjoyed. Like the, they, yeah. there's a bunch of cool fight scenes that thankfully aren't all like repetitive of each other, but they're still like, there's something a little bit new like in each scene that they did like with the action stuff, but still all recognizable as being the same movie. Uh, although, ultimately, I guess, the very final battle between the two of them left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, that was at that point, I was kind of done with the fighting. Well, that's probably true to a certain extent as well, but I thought that it was all very well executed prior to that. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of little CGI glitches here and there because mm-hmm. they had to get effects heavy, and also they were trying to blend effects with real... Yeah, looking locations as opposed to like the end of Wonder Woman where everything was just on fire. Right, right. I'm never gonna let that go. You know, it's a, a big flaw in a good movie. Yeah. The the uh, one of my favorites though was at the end when uh, Martin Freeman's character flies the plane through the other plane, like as the yeah. final feat. And I was like, ooh, that. And like, and then he crashed to the ground, like in the little thing because it, it, yeah, the thing just dropped out underneath him. That was like that was just a really cool sequence overall. Where she explains to him like what to do to break the chains, and then he guns it, blows it up, and it just plops down <laughs> like game over. And it was just really cool, really well done. Sweet, solid movie. Can't wait to watch it again. 
Yeah. I'm it excited. was uh, very entertaining. It was also the type of thing where there was so much going on that I'm sure I'll pick up on oh, a yeah. bunch of little things when I see it again. 100%. Awesome. Well, that's it for episode 38 of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to keep the conversation going, I'm at AEJ Costanzo on Twitter and Instagram, and Al is at Alessandro B1187. Check back in next week for more movie and beer goodness. And until then, <laughs> cheers.